the time you get all the packages and the taxes and the fees and the, all this other stuff. It ends up being more than you thought it was. And then there's the door in the face technique, which is where they get you to uh, see the high price model first. And you think, well, I can never afford that. But then they show you the cheaper one that's almost just as good, that that's the one they really wanted you to buy in the beginning. But they showed you the higher one first, so you buy the lower one. All right, so now you know. But uh, inviting people into your door to give you something you didn't know you needed. You know, I think the problem uh, for us in America is that we have everything we need, right? Uh, if you've been around the world before, you go to other places, even other parts of the country, uh, but especially overseas, you'll know that we are clearly the richest country uh, in the world, at least the Western world. Uh, even uh, to the, the places I've just been recently, which is the top of the line of the third world, they still don't all have running water. They still, most of the country didn't even have hot water. Actually, none of the country had hot water, and none of the country had indoor air conditioning except for a few places. And all of, uh, in the South American country I went to, there was only like three churches that had air conditioning, and they were only in the sanctuary, you know? So, I mean, we're blessed. How many people know you're blessed? Uh, and sometimes that blessing, though, has another side to it. It can kind of be a curse because we have everything we need. While we're not worried about our running water all the time or air conditioning, we're, uh, we're worried about do I have the latest car or do I have the newest cell phone or did I get the best cable package or how can I manage between Disney Plus and Hulu and Netflix? I mean, this is how our life goes. Uh, in America, I didn't get the coffee I ordered just right. And uh, this is easy uh, to be so self-sufficient, to be so blessed. That attitude can often come into the church. And that's why in America, unlike the rest of the world, we fight an easy, complacent, and self-sufficient Christianity. And my question for us this morning is just like that salesman. What if Christ has something to give you, you don't know you need? What if Christ has something to give you, you don't know you need? Because I don't know about you, but if someone comes up to my door, I'm just the stubborn type. I don't care what it is. I don't need it. I don't want it. I remember in Missouri, we tried to give free watermelons away to a neighborhood. We, I went to Walmart and I, uh, for a community outreach I bought, I don't know how many hundreds of watermelon, multiple pallets of watermelon from Walmart, and uh, 300 at least in this neighborhood. And we went door to door. And as I, we were going to these doors, just put our church sticker on it and just said, hey, we love you in our neighborhood. Here's a free watermelon. You don't know how many people turned me away. For a, I'm like, no, it's seriously, it's free. I don't want it. What's a catch? I don't have a catch. I just want to give you a free. I don't want it. Get off my porch. Like, it's seriously a free why would you just take the watermelon? I mean, but that's how we are. I don't need anything. I don't want what you're selling. I don't need it. And sometimes it's the same way with us and Jesus. Like the salesman knocking at our door, we say, no, go away. I have no need of anything you're offering. Christ is knocking today. Because he knows your needs. And we're going to ask ourselves if we'll invite him in today. Look with me in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Christ is knocking because he knows 
your needs. Jesus comes to John at the end of his life as he's on the Isle of Patmos, and he tells him to write this letter, these letters to seven of the ancient churches that are in modern-day Turkey. And the last one here is to the church of Laodicea. And he says this, To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The Amen. Somebody say Amen. Amen. The Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, everybody say lukewarm. Because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you or spit. It says vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and I have become wealthy and I have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined with fire so you may become rich and white garments you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve to anoint your eyes that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And he who overcomes, I will grant him to sit down with me on my throne as I have also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's a powerful little f- statements right there. Let me give you the history of Laodicea. This is a town. <clears throat> there was an important trade route and banking center. Laodicea was a very wealthy, prominent town in its day. It had this uh, industry for wool garments that were very prized. Uh, <clears throat> they were uh, very self-sufficient, a self-made people, so they're very wealthy citizens. In fact, uh, about 60, let me see, 62 A.D., 62 A.D., there was this earthquake that pretty much demolished the town. But these people were so independent. When the state government, Rome, came in to say, hey, let's help you rebuild, they said, no, we don't want your money. We're going to do it ourselves. Doesn't that sound like an American thing? No, we don't need you. We can do this. And so they, with their own money, rebuilt their city uh, without the help of the government. They said, we are self-made, independent. We're good. We have, we've got this thing. We can do it. This is our town. We're going to do it our way. The only thing about this town was that it had bad water. In fact, they had to pipe water from, you know, like down an aqueduct to get it into the town. But even that water, when it came in, would be lukewarm. And I've been told that even in the pipes they found today, they're just crusted with minerals that the water even smelled. I used to live in White Sulphur Springs area, and I can understand about this because that water out there in our well, we had a, a water faucet. You wouldn't really want to smell it all the time because it had that sulfur in it, and it was like that. It was all this mineral. If you would steam it, it would make the house smell, or you taste it and put your ice cubes in your tea. Your tea is going to be a little, you know, it's going to have a little strong stout, you know, uh, flavor to it. Their water was bad, but unlike them, their neighboring town, Colossae, they had this mountain, clear, crystal spring water that came off the snow. Then their other uh, neighbor, Heropolis, they had bubbling hot uh, spring water. So on one side of them, they had hot boiling water uh, in a neighboring town. On the other side of them, they had cool, clear 
water, right? Uh, and then their water was that bitter, lukewarm, like gag water. But it's a great town and it's affluent. And so Jesus speaks to the Christians in this town and he gives the worst rebuke of all seven churches. Why? Were they pagan? Were they idolatrous? Were they committing fornication with all these pagan things? No. Other towns were. This is the worst rebuke. Does he say anything about their idolatry and bowing down to Caesar or making sacrifices of goats to pagan gods? No. What does he say? To to the church with the worst uh, uh, letter from Jesus, he says, it's in your prosperity you've pushed me out. In your luxury, you've become lukewarm. In your affluence, you've become apathetic. And you've traded a godly life for a good life. If there's one church in these letters that I really identify for the American church, it's going to be this one. I want to say about Ephesus, yeah, you lost your first love. And we can, well, I can look at all of them and apply to us. But I, as I read this one, I'm thinking the one that got the worst didn't seem to be doing the worst. But Jesus has a different interpretation. So what do we see do? He says, church, I want you to see me. And what does he say? Let's look at this. He says, see me. Number one, he says, I am the what? The amen. What is the amen? He, the amen is this statement from the Old Testament. that says that it is true. God is the truth. That uh, amen means let it be or it is true. And that's an Old Testament title for God, the God of the amen from Isaiah. It means that God is faithful, that he is sure, that he is valid. Jesus often said, verily, verily, I say to you. But it, that says, amen, amen, I say to you. It's true, it's true. Because I'm saying it, it's true, it's true. I'm telling you this, this, and this. And so he says that I am the amen. Paul said it in 2 Corinthians. He says, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him are amen to the glory of God through us. That he is the amen. Whatever he says, it's true because he's true. He says, and because of that, I'm the faithful and true witness. So that you're not going to put your confidence in what you say about yourself, but you should say in what I say about yourself. Like if that guy is knocking on your door and he's saying, hey, buy this Kirby vacuum cleaner. I don't know if I should trust this guy or not. He could be a scandal. He could be trying to rip me off. But Jesus is knocking on the door and says, I am truth. I am the amen. You should trust what I say about myself. Somebody say amen to that. You should trust what Jesus says about himself. He says, I'm the faithful, true witness. I'm the guy who's seen these products work in heaven. I'm the guy who saw God make the world. I'm the guy who has seen the storehouse of what God has in store for all those who love him and are called according to his purchase. So you can trust me because I have been to the bank and back. You can trust me. Okay. He says, I'm the faithful, true witness and the products I'm offering you are trustworthy. And he says, I am also the beginning of the creation of God, meaning I am the Logos. I am the one that God used to speak the word of God, the world into existence. Jesus, the word, when God said, let there be light. When he said, it says, God, Jesus, 
Let there be light. That's what it means. God said, God spoke the world. God, Jesus, the world, God, Logos, the world, that when God made the world is his mouth opened. He used Jesus to make everything. And he says, I have been the one. If you can't trust me, I'm the one that spoke the world into existence. Think of it. And we look at it. He's like, don't you're worried about what other people think. You're worried about what you're saying. You have your own opinions. I'm the guy. When I say, let there be light, there's light. I'm the guy, when I say, let it be dark, it's dark. So you should trust me. You should believe me. My credibility is good. In Colossians, Paul said, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things are created in heaven and earth, visible, invisible. Whether there be thrones or dominions or rulers, all things have been created through him. And it says this, I love this verse. He is before all things and in him still today, all things are being held together. Your body is being held together today because God ordains it. So the moon and the stars are still revolving today because Jesus says it so. Because Jesus keeps it so. He says, so listen to me. I'm knocking at the door. I'm the guy who's trying to sell you something. I'm, I'm about to give you a product. Do you believe me? Somebody say amen. I believe you. When's the last time everything in the earth passed away for you and you could just be in awe of him. His, his is the, this is the amen. This is the, the firstborn of all creation. This is, this is Jesus. Just to, just to get a glimpse of who he is and leave the rat race of life and just take a breath and just say, there is a God who spoke the world, who died for me, who has a plan for my life. You know, it's, 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 it's not amazing sometimes for us in the American church. We're so busy. We so go. We, we're so doing. We've got our own kingdoms. We've got our own plans. We've got our own agenda. But just to, just to walk out and, and just look. Yesterday I... Uh, I've been cooped up in my house all week fighting this bug, and and I, I yesterday I went and the first time I got out of my house and took my garbage to the dump and came back and I just sat there and I just looked at my yard, and just an amazement. You know what? This all exists because there is a God who created the world. We worried about our coffee and paying our electric bills and mowing the yard. I got things I want to do. I want to get out there and mulch my yard and put the flowers. And just, when is the last time you just got amazed again at Jesus? That he exists, that he is, that just in awe of knowing him. And these Christians were so focused on the next best thing, they forgot the only thing they needed was Jesus. They were so focused on the next best thing, they forgot that the only thing they really needed, Christ could provide. They did not know, but in their hustle and bustle and the dreams of their life and their buying and selling and building and going and doing, they had traded Christ for comfort. They had traded Christ for comfort. He says, I want you to see me. I am the amen. I am the faithful and true witness. I am the beginning of creation. Have you lost sight of me? Have you forgotten who I am? 
Have you left your first love like Ephesus? But you are so busy. You are so wealthy. You are so going. You are so doing. You are thinking everything is fine in your life. But do you see me? What are you focused on? We focused on, man, I'm going to do this for my house. I want to get that car. I want to buy that. I need to upgrade my cell phone and I got to do this. And yeah, maybe we'll make it to church and we're going to go there after that. And we got this. And that's how our lives go. And we wonder why we're so tired. We wonder why we're so tired and depressed. We wonder why our marriages are falling apart. We wonder why we're so anxious and fearful and everything affects us and, and we're so down. We, we, are the, we have the most technology in the world. The easiest life in the last hundred years. We've got laundry done for us, dishes done for us. I just put a new dishwasher, and it was like it was like the end of the world when our dishwasher is going out. Man, people hadn't had a dishwasher in for the whole history of mankind into the last fifty years, and and all of this stuff doesn't make our life easier. In fact, we're more stressed and anxious and and busy than we've ever been because we just buy more and do more and go and go. And Jesus is like, but do you see me? And all of your focus, have you lost focus? And he says, now I want you to see yourself. Here's what he says about him. He says, guys, you are lukewarm. Like the water in your town, you're neither boiling hot like your neighbors or cold mountain clear water like your other neighbors. In fact, you are like the water in your own town that when you drink it, you vomit. I'm thinking you're just like that. You are like, you got all this stuff and this town is this wonderful place to live and everybody wants to live in your town, but everybody knows that the water is horrible there and it's the same way. You think you got this awesome, beautiful, perfect life, but really it's not all that. If you would take it in, we just want to vomit it out because it is as much as it looks like good water, when you really indigest the life you're trying to live, it really doesn't work. Have you ever taken a sip of coffee that you thought was hot? Right? Isn't that the worst thing ever? You're thinking, you're just expecting it to be this nice, and then you, ah, and you just want to spit it down. He said, that's the same way. When I try to take in your Christianity, and it looks like it's going to be good Christianity, and you think it's good Christianity, but when I, the amen who knows what good Christianity is, and I see your Christianity, and I take it in, it makes me want to spit up. And see, they don't think this about themselves. This is the, this is the problem. Because I can really say, yeah, pastor, preach it. That's, yeah, that's right. But what if I didn't know it was me? He's trying to sell me a product I don't think I need. I don't think this is talking about me, Jesus. I don't think I need this today, Jesus. I, I'm good, Jesus. My carpet is clean. I don't need a new vacuum cleaner. And he says, but no, I've got something to tell you. You're lukewarm and you don't know it. You've not zealously stood for anything in a long time. You've been indifferent. You're self-satisfied. In your lukewarmness, you feel safe. And, and I wish that it would, it would be better for you to act and be unsaved because then I could at least save you. It would be better for you to be fired and on fire. It's either be on fire for me or don't be with me at all because in this indifference, this apatheticness, it's hard to get you on either side. I wish you'd just pick a side. Be cold and indifferent because then you'll know where you are and you won't have any illusion. Wouldn't it be the worst thing to think you're saved and to go to heaven and not be saved? At least the sinner knows they're not saved. They have some expectation of their life. 
But how horrible it would be. John Stuart Mill said this. He said, one person with a belief, a true belief, is equal to a force of 99 people who only have an interest. I love that. Give me one person who really believes what they say. It's equal to 99 people who are indifferent and are just interested in it. 99 Christians who are just interested in God versus one person who really believes in God. He says, also, you're blind. You've lost the vision of who I am. You lost who you really are. He says, you've become wrapped up in your own building of your own kingdoms. And in reality, you don't even know it, but you're about to be rejected. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, God had warned Israel. He said, when you get to the land and you start seeing the things I've given you, the vineyards and the houses, and you start doing all this stuff, and you start building up the promised land, he says, don't forget. He says, then watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. It's so very easy to trade the gifts of God for the giver, right? It's so easy to lift up the gifts and forget the giver. You know, it's like when your kids, you give them a Christmas present and it's like they grab it and oh my gosh, yes, and they run out and it's like, uh, thank you, anybody? Thank you. Do you have to tell your kids to remind them and say, thank you for this, you know? Well, yeah. I'm glad you liked that toy, but who gave you that toy? It was me, right? Don't forget and appreciate the person who gave you the gift. He's like, we've traded the gifts for the giver. He says, you're blind to really where you are. And he goes and he says, you're wretched, miserable, and poor. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You know, when someone you love really says something bad about you, maybe you've and to just be honest, in this room, someone who's ever loved, who loves you has ever told you they hated you before in an in a argument. Man, that hurts. It sticks with you. Or someone who says they're really disappointed in you. Maybe you had a parent say, I'm disappointed in you. Can you imagine the God, listen, the God who spoke the world into existence, the one who says, let there be light and light happens. When he says, he says, you're naked, you're blind, you're poor, you're miserable. There's no arguing with that. You are. Whatever he says, you are. And I thought about that. I, I, I thought this, this, this weekend, I was thinking, God, what, how awful it would be to get to heaven, to get to a place where I see God, and, and I think I'm okay. And he says, but you are miserable. You are, uh, you are rejected. You are poor. You are naked. You're blind. And can you imagine, I mean, if you've been hurt by someone before who's spoken words over you, think, God, aren't you supposed to speak nice things to people? He says, but I'm speaking the truth. You are wretched, miserable, and poor. And I can't just imagine that church in this moment hearing these words. This is what God thinks about me. I thought I was doing okay. I was paying my tithes. I was a part of the building program. I was, I was going to, I even drove the van sometimes. I, I did those things. And he says, but, but God says to you, you're miserable, you're wretched, you're poor. They boasted in their riches and they probably wrote down on their church how they could financially accomplish so many great things. They probably had a great missions program and kids outreaches. They they wrote big checks to their benevolence ministries. They were a rich church. They had building programs, and probably all of them said, 
we do a pretty good job. We give a lot. But the Bible says that no one can serve two masters, for you'll hate the one and love the other. You can't serve God in wealth, Jesus said. And he says you're naked. They love to shop and wear the best clothes, much like we do in America. We can, we can buy wherever we want. We can go to the buckle. We can go to the mall. We can have Tommy Hilfiger. We can wear our Nike and a Reeboks. We can have our New Balance. You can do whatever you want to do. You can get on all the Etsy and the thrifty stuff and Pinterest, and, and we can do anything we want to do. We have everything at our disposal with these little phones. We can buy anything and prime it, and two days later, anything from around the world. I can get to my door in Somerville, Louisiana, of all places places from china from zimbabwe i can get it here you know i went to guyana and they gave me this uh the pastors there gave me this bow and arrow you know they didn't even have cardboard boxes in the country i mean i I was just amazed i'm like can i go down somewhere and buy a cardboard i gotta ship this thing back to myself can i can i get no we don't have cardboard boxes in our country all we can go back to the dumpster and we can find things that have been shipped in but we don't have things here i'm thinking where in the world does not have cardboard? I mean, just think, and as a first, a first world person, all the things that we have. And he says, you've got all this stuff and you clothe yourself with all this stuff. And he says, but when I see you, you are naked. It's like Adam and Eve covering themselves with fig leaves. It only is an irritation to the real issue. You, before a holy and righteous God, you can put all the makeup on you want. You can come to church. You can put your pretty life on, but you still have a problem with lust. You still have a problem with pride. You still have a problem with gossip. You still have animosity against your mother-in-law or your father-in-law. You still haven't let go all of that stuff. You still think more highly of yourself than you ought. There's all kinds of things still going on in your heart that you have not been honest with me about. And you can look the pretty Christian part and you can have the latest styles and trends. But before a holy and righteous God... It does not do anything because just like the rest of the world, you are still but dust before a holy God. You're all men. You're all fallen short of the glory of God because you're Americans does not mean you're any better than anybody else. And he says, before me, I see you as everyone. You are completely exposed before me. And all of your buying and doing I know your true status. The Bible says, For nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. One of the things we do in our Celebrate Recovery program is really just try to get us to be honest with ourselves. I don't have it all put together. I have an issue. I have a problem. Sometimes it's hard for us as self-made independent people who try to put this image out that we've got it all together. We can put this whole fake life on the world's web and and make it look like we're all okay. But on the inside, when you're alone and you stand before a holy and righteous God, you know, and I know, we're not all there. We don't have it all. And he says, can you be honest with me? And can't we see ourselves just like this? Are we not too comfortable in our material possessions? Are we not apathetic and indifferent to fasting, to prayer, to evangelism. I told you guys on my trip back, there was a church there that I got to minister to just for a brief moment. They had met as a church for 21 days every single night. How many American churches will do that? 
How many people will come early to a service like we have for Sunday night prayer? How many people will come to prayer meetings in the American church? How many people will show up to the door-to-door outreaches that American churches put on like our church does? How many, how many people uh, have a daily prayer life that you get up early every morning and get on your knees in a prayer closet or a war room, you might say, and, and pray to God for at least 30 minutes and read your Bible before you get busy? I mean, truly, how many American Christians do you think do that? All around the world, there are people who are Christians in many, many countries, and they are fasting, they are praying, they are worshiping, they are evangelizing, they are walking miles a day to go to church every day. And we can come in and see the show and have our pretty lights and our new buildings and all of our programs and our polished preaching and our wonderful music that's all timeless and flowing, and we think, we're doing church. We've got it going on. And God says, it's miserable. It's poor. I'm going to vomit it out. How many of us are playing the part in front of others? How many of us are covering up our insecurities and not being honest with our brothers and sisters in Christ that we're really struggling? How many of us are more captivated by the latest TV show and sporting event and new toy that we can buy more than we are the image of Christ? We fill our conversations up with so many worldly things, but when do we ever get lost in our conversations with our brothers and sisters in Christ of how awesome Christ is? Man, isn't God so good? You know, the old timers used to do that. They used to sit and be together and just talk about God. That didn't happen anymore because we're not aware, we're not in awe of a beautiful, wonderful Savior who is coming back to judge the living and the dead. And I want you to look at what he says in this last part. He gives them three things that you must do. He says, you need to repent receive or you'll be rejected. Look at this, because this is the good part. He says, you must repent. And he says, those whom I love, I will discipline, I will rebuke, I will charge them. I, but here's the key. He says, I love. Here's this God. Here's this awesome, wonderful God who's come down, he's knocking on the door to a people who don't want anything he has to offer. And he says, but I love you. I love you. I love you. Listen to me. Listen to me. I know you're blind, you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, but I love you. I want to give you something for free. There's no strings attached. This is a free thing. I've purchased it for you. I love you. Yes, you're blind. You're miserable and poor. I need you to see that. I need you to know who you are. I need you to see who I am. But I love you. And here's what I want to do for you. If you will just repent and then receive me. He says, I'm going to take all those expensive things you thought were worth something. He says, I'm going to give you something that's like refined gold. I'm going to give you the unfathomable riches of heaven, the riches of my grace, Paul says, the riches of his glory, the riches of his 
unfathomable uh, uh, grace, the riches of his mercy, ref- like fine gold. He says, I'm going to give you white garments. I'm going to, all the things you've put upon your life to make you look good, I'm going to give you the best thing heaven has to offer. That is my righteousness, my garments, the, the thing that I took off when I died on that cross and I put on your filth and your rags and your worthlessness. I'm going to give you the robes that I laid in Philippians when he says that I laid it all up in heaven. I left it all up there, not counting myself equality, but it, uh, uh, something to, with, to grasp with God, but left it all up there. And he says, I'm going to give you that thing, the thing that my father gave me, that position, all the value of heaven, my intimacy with him, my fellowship with him. I'm giving you my most prized possession is my own right standing with God. I'll give that to you. If you'll just invite me in, stop playing games, stop putting on this pretty picture. Just be real with me. Invite me in. I'll take your mess because I love you and I'll clothe you. And he says, and then I will put eye ointment on you. One of the things that that town was known for is they had schools of medicine. And this eye ointment was known to not cure blindness, but to help in all kinds of things like glaucoma and things like that. And he says, you guys have the world's best medicine there. And look at the medicine we have in America. You don't want to go get sick in a third world country. You're going to get sick. You want to get sick here. He says, all the things, all the things you have, man. You try to heal yourself. You try to go to the self-help books. You try to uh, uh, pedicure yourself and to feel better. And you try to you know, medicate yourself and to get out of depression. You can do all those things. But man, when you come to me, I can heal you. He says, I will anoint your eyes to see me in a way you've never seen me before. That I am high and lifted up. I'm a God who is above every disease. I'm a God that is, uh, who can heal you. I'm a God who can restore you. I'm a God who can set you in the place you've called to be. And he says, lastly, is this. He says, if you let me in, I'm not just going to sell you that vacuum cleaner. Man, I'm going to dine with you. Uh, that, that, you know what that means? It means that at the marriage supper of the lamb is what he's talking about. He says, there's going to be this communion. God wants to sit with you. In the ancient world, dining with someone was an intimate fellowship. It was a communion. And it wasn't just like this, hey, you know, 30-minute thing. How are you doing like we do and go to McDonald's together? You know, or just have the fast food TV dinners and we're not even really talking to each other. We're watching, you know, the news. He's like, no, we're going to break bread. We're going to share stories. It's going to be this long afternoon ordeal where we're just going to spend time being together. He says, I will dine with you at my father's table at the marriage supper of the lamb. It will be an eternity of feasting and fellowshipping together because even though I see you as you are, I'm still knocking, church. Listen to me. Jesus is knocking at the door of the American church. He's not done yet. He's not given up yet. He sees us as we are. We just got to see ourselves as we are and say, we're really not all that. We're not the most healthy church in the world. I'm going to be honest with you. We have the most money in the world. Absolutely. But we are by far not the healthiest church in the world. But Jesus loves us nevertheless. And if we will just come to God and say, Lord, we invite you back in our churches. 
We invite you back in our marriages. We invite you back into our parenting. We invite you back into the altars. We invite you back into prayer meetings. We invite you back into helping us go do a real evangelism. God, we invite you back into our programs, into real worship, and not just singing songs and hearing platitudes and self-help things that make us feel better about ourselves. But God, we invite you to wreck our life tell us who we really are. We see you are, and we know, God, that you still love us. You have a plan for us, and you want to prosper us, and you want to bless us, but not in the ways that we try to bless ourselves, but, God, you want to do something real and authentic and genuine. Somebody say amen. He says, but if you don't, he says, I fill the hungry with good things, but I send the rich away empty-handed. And can you imagine he says, I, I would vomit you. I would vomit you out of my mouth. <clears throat> He's talking about the verse where he says, they'll be cast away into outer darkness. Can you imagine hoping you're going to make it to heaven and thinking you've done a good thing, but in that moment, <clears throat> you see God and he just pushes you out and all you can see is just him disappearing and disappearing and disappearing. I don't, I can't even, church, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be rejected by my Savior. But he says, I'm wanting to come in. Jesus is knocking at the door because he knows our needs. And it's up to you and to me to say, God, I I want you to really rule my life. God, I'm tired of playing the the pretty church. I'm tired of playing the the perfect Christian. You don't need to be the perfect Christian. He's the perfect Christian. You don't need to have it all together. He's got it all together. You don't, but we just got to get desperate once again, on our knees, desperate for God to move. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? It's because he loves you and do not forget that. He disciplines those he loves. Worship team, would you come? It's because he loves you. He wants to give you gold refined, white garments, healing for your eyes, to rule and reign with him on his throne, to fellowship with him for all eternity. God has a a plan to bless you. And he is knocking at the door of your heart. But when's the last time you had to depend on solely, solely on Jesus? Are you too comfortable today? Are you self-sufficient? Do you feel I'm a good enough Christian? Because church, that's what we think sometimes. I'm good enough, pastor. I don't, I don't. There's nothing I need somebody to pray for me. Man, we all need somebody to pray for us for something. Let's be honest. Oh, I'm doing okay. No, we're not. We need more Jesus. We need more of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. We need God to move in our country. We need God to move in our churches upon a new generation who are dying and going to hell. We need God more today than we've ever needed him. And he is knocking at the door. He's saying, can I come in? I've got something you don't know you need. Church, where are we at today? We're going to be honest with ourselves. Say, God, I thought I was doing pretty good. 
He says, I love you, son. Daughter, I love you. But I want to do more for you than you can ever imagine. You just got to be honest together. You got to let me in. You got to stop doing life by your own knowledge and power. You got to stop trying to figure me out and put me in a little box of your denomination or your little preferences and keep me in your little comfort zone. Well, God, I'm, I'm only comfortable to worship this way. Or, God, I'm only comfortable. I don't, I don't talk to people I don't know, God. I don't, I don't, I don't lift my hands, God. I don't, I don't go outside and, and do those things, God. I'm not, I'm not like those kind of people, Lord. You took, are we too comfortable? Are we too busy? Are we missing the blessing of God? Lord, I ask you to come in this moment. And we come knowing you love us. But we want to see Jesus. We want to see the amen, the faithful and true one. We want to see ourselves rightly, Lord. We want to be honest and open with you and say, Lord.